Hey associates! Alright, so this episode is a recording of lecture on Wednesday, April 13th. Um, we just talk some more about uh, kind of ethics, but really tying it back into like leadership and working on a team and just how to balance um, company ethics and brand policy and our personal kind of morals um, and then some general ideas about leadership and teamwork. All right, let's go back in time. All right, let's get to it. Hi, happy Wednesday. Whew, I feel so scattered. It's like at the dentist this morning and then on a meeting and I'm all over the place, but that's okay. We are going to get through this. Let me make sure that I, um, I guess that's fine. Okay. Anyway, so we are continuing our conversation just about kind of creativity, leadership, um, some of those kind of ethical things that we should be keeping in mind when we're working in PR, comm, marketing, and also just generally as leaders and sort of co-workers out there. Um, and so a few things just to review, All right, these are, are kind of five big tools that we just need to be aware of. You know, they're not things that are necessarily worth digging deeply, deeply into during like, you know, this specific class because things like laws that you need to adhere to, what contracts will look like, will depend on the actual industry and career and agency size and, and things that you go into. So it's more being aware of some of those aspects. Uh, but I do have an example to go through that just came across my desk this week. So we talked about accessibility standards in the info design kind of section lecture. Uh, and just yesterday I was on a webinar um, for more like accessibility standards type of stuff. Because again, even when you're out of school, you never stop having to go to lectures and finding those connections and action items. And one of the big action items that I pulled out of this webinar that I attended um, was that Colorado specifically uh, in, the, in the past sort of year passed some new laws about local governments um, and how websites need to be accessible. So if you end up working in right public affairs, especially whether it's at the local government level and definitely at higher and federal levels. Accessibility standards are not just a, yes, we should do this because ethically we want everybody to access our content. They really do become, you have to do this or you open up your agency, your office, you know, your township to actual civil uh, lawsuits and liability. And that's one of the things that uh, Colorado has passed, said, okay, all local government websites in Colorado need to and they have like a whole long list of the specific ADA um, aspects. Um, a lot of it went into things like uh, making sure screen readers are able to actually navigate your site. It was a pretty long list, but um, it has to be done or else we can sue the state of Colorado or the city of Greeley or whatever. Um, so that was kind of an interesting thing to come across. Um, so if you're gonna stay in Colorado, you wanna work in public affairs, definitely you'll need to spend a lot of that extra time and I'm sure in your onboarding with your job, they will be like, here's all the ADA uh, regulations and laws that we specifically have to follow. Um, of course, 
code of conduct. Again, that will depend on exactly where you work. We're going to look at uh, the PRSA code of conduct today and just talk through that as the you know, public relations society, but there's just so, so many depending on where you work. The other thing that came across my desk uh, this week was right, the idea of organization policy. And for us in PR and marketing, that especially might look like brand guidelines that you receive both from your clients, but also from your company. And so we have a new partnership that we're starting with Headspace. They are very excited. The link and, and the rollout and launch will go live um, in a couple of weeks. And so I'll let you know how you could grab a free Headspace account for those of you who are not graduating the semester. Um, but they sent us these actual brand guidelines and their expectations for us when we are promoting their you know, content. And so we'll just take a little bit of a look at that it's a good example, um, but definitely that's one thing. You know, first day on your job, first day when you're meeting new clients, uh, you're going to want to make sure to look at their brand guidelines and use that as kind of this guiding policy to make sure you're doing things right. Um, and then last, terms of service agreements. That just depends on every single platform. So, you know, we got to take some time to understand some of those implications. All right. So the Headspace brand kit, kind of like an organizational policy. Uh, so here, I'll show you what they sent. Um, oh my gosh, Zoom, get out of the way. There we go. <laughs> okay, make that big again. So they, and there's like an entire humongous packet of assets and recommendations and tips and even captions. Like they send us a lot because they really wanted to kind of lock down, right, their promotion. Um, but this is the key thing that literally right now my intern and the other, um, Katie, the other person on my social media and content team, we're spending the morning like really reading through this, making sure we understand how to implement it in our social media campaign strategy, make sure that we are, are getting to know and understanding what they expect and don't expect. Um, and so this is a pretty you know, good standard one. It's not even that different than what you might have explored with the UNC kind of toolkit. Of course, nice quick intro. And then we can see they're gonna outline exactly how do we use their logo files, right? And it would be unethical for us to use it in any other way. And potentially, you know, it's gonna sour the relationship and could jeopardize our contract. Here's the color schemes they want, type meaning typeface, the fonts, um, examples of, of copy, especially that they want us to use and not use, which this piece goes into some interesting cool kind of ethical things about like appropriation, how we talked about. So when we kind of go through it, right, and they have, okay, let's talk about their logos. Here's their specific, you know, logo. Here's the dimensions, the sizing. They start going into what they call safe zones, which is basically uh, the kind of buffer around a logo. So, you know, you don't want to have text overlapping a logo. You can't be intruding into the safe zone because that would deteriorate the integrity of the logo. So when we integrate it into, you know, any of our like Canva or Adobe Spark content we create, we just need to be mindful of this sort of safe zone that they have identified for us. Um, and so then I really like how they gave some examples. Again, don't want to getting too close. It's going to mess up the, the vibe and the look that they want. Um, and so we can use these as really good guidelines. And when you're thinking in terms of, you know, being leaders for your agencies, um, if you work with a client who maybe 
doesn't have their brand guidelines totally fleshed out. These are the types of things that you might think about doing to kind of show your leadership and your strategic thinking. Give us an exact you know, example of what to do, what not to do. Visuals make everybody happier. I, they could have done it as a ginormous paragraph, but that would be terrible and hard to read. So when you can give us a visualization, usually that's gonna be the better kind of leadership idea. Um, you know, color, again, we go into, these should be familiar, right, hex codes. They also give us the RGB and the, uh, the CMYK version. So we are able to do it for kind of web type coding. Usually we'll use the hex code when we're in Canvas or Canva, um, RGB for um, other kind of digital products. And then if we did need to print something, we would optimize our colors with those. So they give you the color scheme. Um, just like we talked about info design, so it's really cool to see that in action, including some of the like um, assorted colors that we could use uh, if we wanted to integrate some more. Now we have a little bit of a conundrum that we're working through as a team in terms of how to you know remain ethical within the brand guidelines, but also make sure our social media site stays cohesive, right? We wanna have UNC colors. We want our main Instagram feed to still have those primary, you know, bears blue, bears gold, light blue. And so what we're kind of thinking is instead of changing, right, their branded, obviously promotional materials, it needs to be in their color. Maybe instead we do cover images or carousels that have our kind of stuff on the first slide. So that way when you're looking at our feed, it still reflects the blues and the golds and the way we like to present info. And then as you maybe slide through the carousel, we'll integrate their branding uh, is our first idea. Uh, but yeah, kind of right now working through like, uh, how do we please both brand guidelines? This is what we do. Uh, typeface, right? Remember those are like breeds of dogs, have five total dogs in your household, but only two different breeds probably make the best. Um, but they kind of talk about, okay, here are, they use this Aperku font. Um, they gave us the font file so we could download it. Um, and then, you know, just some of that examples of hierarchy. So what I really wanted to and thought was super interesting about this brand kit, right, is their idea of copy. And they're telling us directly, here's what we like you to say. Um, and here's what we think, we being Headspace, think is kind of ethical copy, ways that we want to promote our, our brand, our organization, and our service. Um, and so they actually gave us this really cool checklist of you know, words and phrases. Um, and so getting into the idea of that cultural appropriation and that line where, especially in marketing PR, like our role in mass media, mass communication, we need to be particularly mindful Right, of those aspects. And so here they're saying, you know, we don't want to reinforce uh, any stereotypes or continue appropriating sort of this idea of like meditation in the way our, our more Western cultures like impose on it. So we're not gonna use words like Zen or Chi, um, alignment, restore, like guru. Um, and so now we have this good list and all the captions that we make, all the assets, we're gonna check and make sure, hey, did we use any of those like no words? If we did, we need to swap them out for some of the you know good and okay words. Um, and that was something I hadn't really seen before in a brand kit and I really appreciated that they were thinking about it from that 
you know, really great sort of appreciative lens and then actually said like, do not use these words. So ethically, we will not use these words. Um, and so again, you could think about that. Um, when and if you're doing the social media campaign for your client project, you might pause and stop and think like, oh, are we using words that UNC kind of tends to use on our web pages? Maybe are you using language that maybe we don't want to reinforce? Um, and if there's anything that you know your client has said, uh, especially you know veteran services, are there words that it's like, no, we don't want to keep you know pushing this narrative. Same with you know the GSRC, that kind of stuff. So really great to think about right our captions, our wording, our phrases. Um, and what we want to do. And then they have photography and stuff. Uh, so it was really, really cool. Just like we're working through it. We're going to have to, you know, apply all of this into our work. Um, but that's certainly one way that you can think leadership wise, also ethically, like what do you need to communicate to partners, your teams, to people to make sure that you are upholding the brand, the message, the reputation that, that you want and that you need. Cool. Let's go back to the slideshow. All right. Um, so we left off on Monday. Um, we didn't quite get into copyright. And so we will watch this quick video. Um, we're going to start halfway in. If you think it's like amazing and want to learn more, you can always go back and watch the whole thing. Um, but this is from our actual like copyright office, um, like patent office. So love it. I mean, they explain it better than. I ever could really, so why reinvent the wheel when there's a really great video? The main reason why we want to think about copyright though and at least have some awareness is of course if you're going to be a publicist and definitely all of you that want to go into social media, content marketing, certainly copyright, what you're using to promote and ultimately commercialize for a brand becomes very important. So as you watch and listen, as always, pull out those action items, any key connections, um, that will help you avoid copyright problems. So yeah, copyright, uh, you know, it's nuanced, it's messy. If you work for, especially like an agency where it's going to be more of an issue, probably you'll have a legal team that will vet a lot of your work and kind of um, pull it out, but it's something to really be aware of. Um, my kind of best rule of thumb, and because it's like, I honestly, it's just so much to try to navigate, I just use original photographs for social media as much as possible, and when we can't, um, I'm very, very clear, and, and we're pretty very strict with sort of my social team. We pull from the Bears Gallery, Right? If we need a photo that we can't take ourselves because right, that's, that's under UNC has made it available right, for our use, for public use, et cetera. Um, or you know, we go out and try to capture as much original content. Uh, when we do use something like Canva or Adobe Spark, uh, we just make sure on Canva, right, we have a pro account, which means that uh, it is already, like they've already taken care of the copyright, it has already been licensed for commercial, both altered and unaltered, but that's a case where I had to go through and read the terms of service and make sure that we weren't you know, gonna be in violation of anything. Um, and then same with, of course, Adobe. You might be familiar with the sort of creative commons. Um, and so you just wanna make sure 
How is this attributed? How is this tagged? How do you need to credit it if you do need to do something? Um, one campaign that we did, a campaign post that we did was about, you know, getting out and enjoying like Colorado parks. And so I so we couldn't get those photos from their gallery. We can go out and take those photos. Um, and so we went to the National Park Service, which their photographs are also tagged for public domain. Um, and they had an explanation of how we need to credit it. And so we just followed those guidelines um, and then we're able to use those photos. So in our industry, it's something to be aware of. And I just say, you know, create as much as you can from internal kind of ways and then you don't have to worry about it quite as much. Um, but there are four, oh my gosh, uh, kind of big things in fair use. Uh, at least this is the domain I tend to work in the most, not only because we're in higher ed, um, but also just kind of by the nature of the companies I personally you know, worked for. Um, but with the four factors of fair use, right? first we're thinking about you know, the purpose of how we used it. And this really comes into play when you're in a for-profit space. I personally have always worked in nonprofits, um, and then education is in that kind of weird quasi-space. Um, but basically, they aren't like the same as you know a straight-up ad, right? We're not generating direct money, income, kind of passing off any of the social media posts or work um, in that way. And so that definitely already makes it very easy to hit number one. Great. So obviously, violation of this would be that you're taking a video that somebody else made and just fully putting it up and being like, look, you can download this video off of my Patreon, even though you didn't make it. Obviously, that's going to be an issue. Uh, second, they look at the purpose of the copyrighted work itself. Um, so again, if it's, I don't know, some sort of, maybe it's a, oh, a video explaining an artistic process, sort of a how-to, right? That type of work, you know, might have more of a purpose of already being something you want to educate and sort of share around versus, you know, somebody like, this is just the final product that I want you to download by. So that's going to be a difference. So we're looking at those two things. The amount of the work used, and this is where, you know, on YouTube, a lot of people especially fall into this where they're, you know, providing critique commentary already, you know, the purpose is more to critique the work, so there's that. Um, but they always use short clips, right? The kind of rule of thumb on YouTube to avoid copyright claims um, is, is below 15 seconds sort of at a time um, is one way to help kind of avoid that. And so it's making sure that you only use enough of the copyrighted work to sort of make your point, uh, and then any more than that and you're just re-showing somebody else's efforts, but now on your channel that is monetized and that's where the problems and the copyright claims come in. Um, and then last, the effect um, for the potential market. So again, thinking about all these YouTubers, um, I, I love, you know, the Marvel breakdowns and like listening to film reviewers on YouTube and so thinking about this a lot, right, their potential on the market is usually pretty positive and that's why we see you know, Marvel's PR team even will send out, right, these kind of media clips and press packets and encourage YouTubers to use uh, these clips to talk about their movies because they know it is ultimately good marketing for them. Um, this also has kind of exploded, I think, in the video gaming space where at first it was like, you know, people are just streaming hours of gameplay. And you might think, okay, well, they're making a profit off of 
just playing this game that somebody else created, hmm, how does that kind of factor in? And the copyrighted work itself, I mean, the game is something intended for other people to buy to play for themselves. So that seems really weird. Like, how, how is that fitting in? There's literally streaming hours of just like continuous gameplay. Like, how is all of this kind of doing fine, doing good? And kind of across the board, the gaming industry has realized, eh, it helps us sell games in the end if we kind of let this happen. And now we get these programs like, you know, EA Game Changers and, and kind of they all have versions of ambassadors, influencers, where they say, here's your game code, go off, make a video. They might put, you know, embargoes on when they can release the content, but more or less give them copies of games and ask them to play and stream it um, because it, it is kind of actually boosting their market potential. So when we do think about copyright claims, so if you work in social media, maybe you work on YouTube or just generally out in the world as well, uh, just know any sort of copyright uh, claims laws, they are going to be looking at all four factors um, and really kind of weighing how all of these intersect to decide if you have a valid claim or not. And same in PR, maybe you have to go out and find like, hey, if this person is like ripping off what our company did. Also, you need to keep in mind kind of these four big factors. So it's messy, it's interesting. Um, and if that's a realm that you really, really love or you're like, I definitely want to specialize kind of in the YouTube space, you'll want to get very familiar with copyright, um, depending on your industry as well. Music copyright tends to be a lot more notorious than sort of video or gaming copyright too. Cool. All right, uh, so let's turn our attention to the kind of code of conduct that we expect and we sort of want to follow as public relations people. Um, and so we have these one is five, six, six core values that we're gonna look at more closely. Basically, you know, as PR people, we wanna think about advocacy, honesty, how we use our expertise, independence, loyalty, fairness. Um, and so I'm just kind of curious before we dive into actually what the PR essay says, which one of these kind of stands out kind of to you and your work or have you seen in action? Just pick one, go ahead and drop like what you think, what you think about it, what you think it means. Uh, and then we'll take a look at how they explain them as well. helping and supporting, um, yeah, like our, our folks and, and helping to elevate them and make them kind of do their best work. I love that. Honesty, definitely, as we talked about, right, we gotta acknowledge what really happened with our clients, then we move and re re redirect the conversation, but you do it, you know, with the facts, with the real things that are happening um, and being really honest. I really love that. These are excellent examples. Cool. Well, let's see what they actually have to say about it. Uh, and you can download a copy of this for yourself if you want. They have a nice old download link. Um, but of course, just grab it out of the slides. Um, okay, so when we talk about advocacy, right? Again, I think we it speaks certainly to honesty and loyalty as well. Um, but it's also tailored towards the public, right? We are public relations professionals. So we work for clients, we're gonna be loyal for the clients. 
We're going to be, you know, honest about what our clients are up to. We also are, are there to kind of help the greater marketplace of ideas and people like understand, form their opinions. Hopefully, if we do our jobs well and our companies that we represent are solid, you know, that positive reputation and opinion will come for itself. Honesty, right? Accuracy, truth, exactly. We are not liars. Even though there's like that weird, oh, PR, they just do spin and they're like just out to make us believe stuff. Like, no, at our core, right? Our professional code of conduct is to be honest. Now, we like to, you know, frame things in particular ways to help our client. We use our expertise in that way, but at the core, we're always going to be honest about what has happened, how we're going to move forward, you know, what is the next steps. Expertise, right? That's just trusting that you've done your best to learn as much as you can and to continue learning and continue growing so you can apply that knowledge, you know, to your clients and to people who have not gone through all this time and training and, you know, genuine efforts to try and learn and adapt. Independence, right? This is kind of that pushback where we need to be comfortable and able to say, yo, client, no, <laughs> like we, we can't do that. We can't, you know, cover this up. We can't not acknowledge what happens. Like sometimes we do need to, right, provide what they say, objective counsel. So using our expertise, centering honesty, knowing that we also need to advocate for the betterment of, you know, the public and the audience and the stakeholders that we're serving. You know, we can't just blindly go along with whatever our clients want. Hey, we got to push back a little bit and say, yeah, that's not the best way. Here, let me help you understand alternative options. You know, fairness, that, that kind of goes into what we are even talking about on Monday with ethics. Like, obviously, we don't want to be out here, you know, slandering and, um, you know, printing libel and just, like, throwing all of our competitors under the bus. Like, that's not good PR. We just want to build up what our own clients are doing and let the public really decide. So a good thing, just like core values to keep in mind, you might ponder some more what that really means for you and your work. Maybe that's a great interview question you can figure out the answer to so that way you're prepared. If somebody asks you about that, I definitely could see that being a reasonable question <laughs> that might come up. Um, the other thing that I really love about their code of conduct, and again, similar to what Headspace did that I just like appreciate so much as leaders, as communicators. I'm like, oh yeah, we should do this more. Now I'm like, oh, future classes, I should really make sure that I'm doing this, you know, better. Um, is providing, okay, yes, the intent, guidelines, and then great examples of some of these things. Um, and so, um, I don't know, these are just, if you need kind of a more concrete example of what to go through, um, I think that's a really, really great thing to do. So what they say, okay, we want to obviously promote respect, fair competition, right, among our profession, among our field, among our specific people, and then they give what we need to do. Things like ethical hiring practices. Great, don't undermine, you know, other people. If you, two of you are up for a promotion, certainly can happen. We hire within often. It's like, focus on, focus on yourself and why you are the better candidate, but don't, you know, throw your work BFF under the bus or whatever, right? Um, and so then they have these really like great, here's what would be a bad thing, right? Um, so this kind of goes into the idea of like, this would not be very loyal, right? You have, and we have access to privileged information as we work with clients. You just can't be out like 
shopping that around to other people. <laughs> that is obviously a very bad thing to do. Same with, again, unfounded rumors to give, put them in some sort of a crisis. I think it's pretty obvious. We should not be doing that, right? Um, and so, yeah, I would just encourage you, if you've never kind of looked at some of these code of ethics or whatever, you know, if you go to like the journalist code of ethics, um, regular marketing, social media, like find what those organizations within the industry you want to work with are, and then just take some time to like ponder and really think out um, what it means and how that might impact your work. I guess you could already kind of like answer that the most. So now I am really curious. Um, so this is one of the examples that was on the site that I just pulled out. So thinking about right our um, values that we just kind of talked about a bit, right? Honesty, loyalty, advocacy, independence. Uh, how would you turn this really like poor? example of conduct into proper conduct so without changing the core of you know the scenario like how could you turn this into a better way so a member representing a ski manufacturer right so you're working for some ski company uh, and you give a pair of expensive racing skis to a sports magazine columnist to influence the columnist to write favorable articles about the product of course in PR like one of our goals is to get right, that nice earned coverage. We do want favorable articles about new products that are being launched. Um, so how would you go about this in an ethical way, right? In a way that really adheres to our professional code of conduct. I think about all the you know, techniques we've talked about this semester. Think about how you, know, you can represent those ideas of fairness, loyalty, general morality. Um, what would you do in, in this case instead of just being like, hey, hint, hint, here's a gift. You know what to do. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that you brought that up. And yes, absolutely sending out sort of uh, samples and kits and yeah, it's a PR kit to influencers, absolutely growing in the culture. And so there is, and kind of think about, okay, what do you think the difference between sort of just gifting and sending a PR kit is? Yes, definitely. So that is absolutely one of those. Oh. Oh no. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Nathan. Here we go. <laughs> Weird. Um, okay, yes. <laughs> so definitely that is one thing, right? Level of disclosure, absolutely. A big difference between just sort of like an unethical, here's a super expensive gift, hint, hint, wink, wink, and a true proper, you know, PR business promo box is the disclosure. Right? What are we actually saying? What are we asking? How kind of under the rug back channel is it? Um, and so in that example, oh, and even just, I saw, I think it was YouTube Shorts was sending out these YouTube short boxes basically to various influencers. And it was like, 
you know, this big kind of box of chocolate, and then there is like this little note about, you know, hey, think about posting this on YouTube Shorts. We love, you know, your content. Thanks for being part of the community, right? But it's very obvious. Okay, it's clearly branded, right? YouTube Shorts, right? It pretty, you know, explicitly said this is why we're sending it to you, and pretty cheap stuff, right? Often they're not going to be the most expensive, like, wow, here's just a very, very expensive kind of monetary thing. So there's some ideas. So yeah, what would you do if you were the ski manufacturer? Mm-hmm, right? Definitely we don't want to say, like, hey, write this review or else. Like, that would be definitely a problem. So I love that. Asking for, yeah, your general thoughts. Uh, yeah, definitely also sending it to more people as well. If you really just only target this one specific journalist, yeah, is that really PR or is that some sort of more unethical influence and relationship building there? Yes, also different athletes, so you can get a multitude of reviews. Um, definitely, I love, I love those ideas, right? Multiple people, right? Our idea, remember when we're doing pitches, right? So the idea of, hey, we're launching this new thing, loved your you know, past article, notice you write about bikes, we have this new bike, here's some of the highlights we see, you know, would you like one to test out for yourself? You know, and maybe it's more of a loan as well. There's a lot of ways you go about that. Mm-hmm, forming your relationship, exactly. We don't wanna explicitly be saying, we will send you this in exchange for a positive review. I think that really hits at the core and sending it to multiple people. Yes, excellent job. You're thinking like PR folks, you know, it is um, a tangled landscape. I think at the core of it, one of those key differences is what are you actually asking for in return, right? We would like to deal in earned media, right? Which means we are getting it kind of for free, but we don't have that explicit creative editorial control. Right? Whereas advertising, they are paying for that spot, so they get to like, put whatever they want in it. PR, no, we're not trying to pay for any of this. We want them to generally you know, give us the coverage that they believe we deserve. Cool. Yeah, definitely keep pondering through. I encourage you to do this exercise, but for yourself, going back to the PRSA, um, code of ethics and look through a bunch of the other examples of improper conduct and that can be a great way for you to continue just learning, practicing, um, and maybe we'll pull a few more of those later. Good job. Hello. Hello. Ah, okay. Um, and so kind of a few concluding thoughts, um, thinking about just leadership, behavior. Uh, of course, ethical, right, culture has to come out of all the different levels. And so, we, of course, we think about leadership, where we kind of set the tone for the overall situation, whether it's, you know, the president of the university certainly sets a tone overall, but then we go into our more, you know, division leadership, right? And so it's things like my direct uh, boss, the AVP for student success, right? Furthers the tone, maybe set by our upper leadership, but has also done a lot of work to promote kind of a really cool, empowering, autonomous, creative culture within our little division, right? And so you might end up in that space. How can you influence your direct team? Even if maybe above you, you're like, ugh, I'm not so sure about that. 
what can you do as a leader of like your own small team? And then I take that and think in terms of, okay, I have my intern and then um, uh, the other person who were kind of like a lateral line, she's really just helping with social media. I'm not like her supervisor or anything. So I consider that peer support, right? And so how can we make that look more just like positive for everyone? And so for me, what I've kind of landed on and, and it seems to be working, good feedback so far, I don't know. Um, for example, every single Monday, right, we have a meeting where we go over our analytics, our numbers, what we did on social media the prior week, but it's far less of me being like, we need to do this and you need to do that. To me, I don't think that's a very positive, like ethical creative leader. Instead, it's really more of a conversation so we can form more of that peer support. Okay, what did we like about this post? What did we you know, want to maybe do differently? What ideas do you have? And then actually validate, follow through on the ideas, build off of them. Don't just flat out say, that's a bad idea. That's probably not gonna form a lot of really positive ethos amongst your team. Um, it's instead finding those bright spots and those growth areas. So think about you know, how you can interact with your peers at the agencies or the news organizations or you know, the, the firms, wherever you end up working. How can you enact some really good kind of modeling, leadership, show off your ethics to your peers and then eventually to people you supervise and then hopefully when you become you know, a big leader in that field. Um, and then the very last one is just personally, right? You've read the professional standards. You've read your organization's policy and code of conduct. So how can you, as an individual, as a person, actually live out some of those ideals? How are you reconciling those with your own personal you know, ethics and morals and code of conduct? Um, and just try, and we aren't always perfect, just even just the other day. I try, again, in my small sphere, to validate people's concerns, to help build on their ideas, but I don't always do a great job. Literally just last night, I kind of snapped, sort of had it with this, this chat, there's like a, a thing happening, uh, and I definitely was much more snippy than I needed to be in, a, in response to this kind of concern and question. And so now I've been going back, you know, this morning, okay, like how can I turn this around? How can I now? you know, do something that will support and actually help and solve this problem instead of just being like, stop, <laughs> you know what I mean? So every single day we make those choices, we make mistakes, we find ways to kind of get back to our core values and help model the behaviors, the culture that we're hoping to see from our peers, from our supervisors, and showing that we can be really strong leaders. And I know all of you can do that. Um, a few kind of specific things, especially if you end up at higher levels that you want to think about um, in terms of that triangle. Vision, you have to remember all the way back to like week two or three in the semester when we talked about vision statements and missions and the importance of like knowing what your team is working for and like that end game goal. So always return to that, right? Write out what the vision is, help your team get some of that buy-in. Um, and help them believe and understand why the vision is important. That can go a long way in setting your sort of leadership tone in your culture. Um, again, just making sure you actually write out, here's the rules, the expectations, um, both for the larger kind of picture, but also just for your employee conduct as well. Make sure you actually tell them, 
here's what we need to do, here's why, here's what happens if we don't do it. Um, a lot of resistance comes from a lack of clarity. Okay? So if we see on the team, people are like, I can't change, I can't do this, I don't wanna do this, this is dumb. It might actually be because they don't fully understand what the vision is or some of the implications or why. So just think about how can you make sure they understand and are really clear on what we're trying to do. And suddenly a lot of that resistance and like stress starts to go away a little bit. And then last, and this is very specific for like us in PR, you know, just having that good crisis plan in place. It's just a good document to have as a leader so that way everybody isn't scrambling and really stressed. So thinking about, you know, what happens, especially with PR threats. Um, so those are some of those tools kind of just circling back to you know, the, the five kind of core tools of just ethics and media in general, we go back to them. Make sure you write out the vision, you have a clear, you know, organizational policy, you've identified the relevant laws, rules, you know them, your team knows them, um, and you're ready to kind of rock and roll. All right, cool. Oh, we even have a little bit of time. Um, yeah, we'll go over that. Final thing, I would say, you know, if you haven't really written anything down or like absorbed too much from this week, I would encourage you to at least take away kind of these three words and action items, right? We want to listen, right? If you're going to be a good leader and a good coworker and friend and partner and person, get better at listening. It's something I continue to have to work on. It's a growth area. I definitely often here with the intent to then, you know, respond, solve a problem. And I'm just trying to work on like listening. The example I shared, the person I kind of snapped at is because I was just tired of hearing about their complaints and problems and I wasn't actually listening to what they were needing. And now that I've gone back, reread, you know, the receipts, I feel like I'm in a better place to actually listen include their concerns in some of the solutions I'm about to propose, some of the materials I'm going to put together, and then ultimately I want to build, right, a better path forward, have that buy-in, have them, have something they can actually work off of. Um, and so when in doubt, as you show yourself to be a leader, as you, you know, go into your first career jobs, you know, like, I want, I want them to know my potential. Try to be really good at listening, including, and then building, and I think you'll probably be off to a very good start um, in your leadership journey. Cool. All right, uh, so my plan for Friday, I've just pulled a bunch of like examples of various PR, good examples, bad examples, PR crises, and so we'll you know watch those clips and then just unpack together as a group, like what they did, what we could do, try to kind of brainstorm if we were in that PR position, you know, what techniques might we use. Um, and then next week we will go over LinkedIn and then our portfolio specifically. I did already post an announcement um, to Canvas, so you probably saw that yesterday with an example um, of what you might turn in for your portfolio. I definitely see that as kind of just like minimum passing, you know, it's just a Word document with some like paragraphs, which is totally fine to do, like it, it gets the job done and that's how you pass fail, right, this assignment. Um, but I definitely encourage you to 
you know, think about how you might expand on that. What things do you want to test, right? If you're interested, you're like, I want to go into broadcast, right? Maybe you turn your portfolio into more of a video where you're speaking to camera, so it showcases more of your abilities. Um, if you really want to go into social media, maybe you turn it into more of those infographic kind of flair, so it's another chance to showcase that. Um, you could use Visio and Sway and all the um, other Office apps that we talked about. We'll go over them again next week as well. Um, but there's an example. So I know it's like stressful again, lack of clarity. What actually do I need to turn in? That is stressful. So I gave you an example represents kind of a baseline at the very least turn in a Word document uh, with your reflections. Cool. Love it. Sounds great. I appreciate you for being here. We're almost to the end. You can do this. Let me know what questions and support you need, and I'll see you on Friday. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.